stumbled across the Honest Pod with Carrie Garcia and Shara House, where our hope is to create a safe space to share stories that foster healing, hope, and the honesty needed to live free and fully alive. And now for this week's episode of the Honest Pod. Hey, everybody. Uh, the last week of 2020. Pew, 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 pew. Yes, we definitely need that sound effect. I am, I am so excited to be done with this year. We made it, folks. Barely. But I saw so, like a, a meme that was like, hey, listen, I know everyone's excited for 2021, but we are going to enter with our heads down. We're not talking to anybody. <laughs> keep your hands behind your back. Don't touch anything. Right, right. Oh, Just keep it cool. Keep it cool. Keep it cool. We're, we get to still be together. We've been here for a couple weeks, so it's nice staying in San Diego for a couple weeks. We get to do another podcast together face-to-face, which is just always the best. When you come visit me, bring the podcast stuff, okay? And this is a fun one, guys. I know. I mean, they're do. all fun, but this is fun yeah. for we, us. Right. I think so. We're in the office. The office is popping. We got DJ Mario on the on the roadcaster turntables we even have Jacqueline in the office mm-hmm. doing all of the administrating stuff mm-hmm. fixing things she likes to fix things. she does she does we got a we got a popping crew in here today yeah four we do. <laughs> four of all four, four of us but okay so today is exciting because we asked you guys to ask us some questions if you even listen to our outro that's what's called guys that's pod that's the podcast outro. talk mm-hmm. uh we want you to send in questions and you guys have sent in a plethora we could not get to all of them yeah um but we got to a few so we're gonna head off with a, we're just gonna head straight into it we're just yeah. gonna head straight into yeah, it right we're gonna start a little light here yeah because okay. these ones are just like there was a lot ones. of funny ones but i was like there's also some serious ones so i couldn't say all the funny ones i mean a lot of them were like what is it like you guys working together? Are you in awe of Carrie? I mean, someone said that about yeah. me uh-huh. to ask if I was in awe of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. Uh, I'm always, that's why I don't talk very much. I thought I'm that was a serious mouth question. open. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> she has her mouth open, just staring Drooling. at me and gazing at me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's no, like most of the time she's rolling her eyes. Like, do we have a plan? <laughs> what are we doing today? <laughs> no, I don't know. Let's just go with it. Let's just see what happens. Okay. So the first question I got was, and I actually haven't even lo- really looked at these. I'm just pulling them out. So what's the worst advice you've ever been given or no, you've ever given? So I guess we could do both. They yeah. said, what's the worst advice you've ever given? Which I guess us being a an somewhat advice show. Yeah. <laughs> I guess what's the worst? That's what they meant. Yeah. Okay. Now what's the worst advice I've ever been getting? Okay. So what's the worst advice I've ever given? Would have been years ago, way before I've done all the work that I've done. And I would have just, I mean, this is pretty bad, but you know, let go and let God. Oh, come on. <laughs> yep. Just let go and let God. Boo. <laughs> Boo. I love this because it just reminds me of like those Christian memes. Like I saw one the other day that this just, I know it's past Christmas, but it said, um, Santa isn't coming, but Jesus is. Oh, and I was like, oh, worst advice. We love that. And it'll get 20,000 likes. I know. I'm people like, are like, amen to that. What are we doing here? <laughs> Jacqueline's leaving. Bye, Jacqueline. Okay. You're great. Oh, she's coming back. Oh, okay. oh no. Okay, bye. 
So anyway, open Disneyland for us, please. Thank you. (laughs) She works at Disneyland and her, she works mostly for us, but just part-time moonlights at Disneyland. Anyway, you don't even know who Jacqueline is. This is getting weird. You don't care, but here we are. (laughs) Um, Okay. What was I Worst advice. Worst advice. You've ever given. I remember telling people that tears mean weakness. Oh, (laughs) how sad is that? If that doesn't tell you right that that was pre-therapy, obviously, because I was like, oh, if you cry, you're weak and we can't be friends. Right. The strong will survive. Like, oh, so sad. Pulling out them Darwin quotes, huh? It's the survival of the fittest here. There you go. I really believe that. It's from the bottom of my heart, too. That's a real thing I told somebody. (laughs) Or distract yourself till it goes away. That's right. I was going to say, I bet that's probably like, just forget about it. Just forget about it. Honestly, if you just keep doing things and you don't have a minute to yourself, You'll be good to go. You'll be good. Yeah. There's been so many bad advice. Okay. 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 So, and then another question, and I'm so excited because Carrie's lived a a full life, we'll say. (laughs) A full, colorful life, truly. Truly. Um, Truly. What is the worst date you've ever been on? The worst, I've been on a lot of dates. You know, I was engaged five times. (laughs) Can we even talk about that? I was hoping that? you were going to drop that. I have so been engaged. I know everyone in their cars right now listening are walking like, wait, say what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Guys. Did you I, keep all the rings? I didn't keep one of them. Oh, dang. But I kept four. Is that how you put well, yourself Well, here's college? the thing. That's not true. I kept three of them because one of them didn't give me a ring because we were addicts living under a bridge. <laughs> So not even like, like a, like a Cheerio or something no, like that. He's just I, like, Hey, you want to, you want to get married? And I was like, right. I was like, yeah, you're, you're my dream. You're like, you know? This is the most logical thing to do. Right. At this point. Are we going to live under the bridge the entire time? Or put a couch here? <laughs> the cradle can go here. <laughs> That's from my past. Anyway, uh, I will say that, okay, this is sad, but I really do think like an actual date. Cause most of the time I just dated losers and to all of you guys that I dated out there, I'm sorry, I'm sure you're better now, but they never really like took me on date. You know, it was just like hangouts. So actual dates, I'm going to say is actually to the man I'm married to <laughs> right now. So he took me on a date. We went, first we went to the gun range, which all right, I'll, I'll shoot a pistol for the first time ever. It's fine. Um, but the gun smoke, in the side the place it got me so nauseous i was like you're so dramatic oh totally (laughs) i was like like, i can't breathe (gasps) i'm getting lightheaded like this is too much gun smoke it's got the black lung pop (laughs) (laughs) so after that he takes me and he had gotten subway sandwiches and left the subway sandwiches in the truck and they were a little like warm and he took me to a park at Santee Lakes in the summer. And if you know Santee in San Diego, it's like 105 outside. And we all know I don't like weather. I don't like it hot. I don't like it cold. I like it nothing. I like it in between. 78 and sunny. Here we are. And uh, it was so hot outside. We were sitting there on a blanket eating these really gross sandwiches that had been sitting out. There was ants everywhere. Then he pulls out a wiffle ball bat and a wiffle ball and wants to play wiffle ball with me. And he's like, come on, let's hit it. Let's hit it. And I'm like passing it or serving it or whatever you call Mm -hmm. it, like throwing it. I don't Mm -hmm. know what you do. I just throw in the ball. Yeah. And he's hitting it. And I'm is he in, showing off? Is this his version of like maybe? I'm going to hit this wiffle ball so hard she has no choice but to continue to date? Yeah, me. and all I'm thinking is I'm never dating this guy again. Like, what does he say about me where he thinks I like sports and guns? Like, does what? he not know me? At what point? Which and is heat? so funny because if you know Mario, like Mario is like one of the most thoughtful people ever, and like so intentional and like about treating women right. Like he's just very passionate about these things. So this is shocking to me. Yeah, it was terrible. So he he's you know. 
he's evolved. He's gotten a lot better. But that, I'm sadly to say, I mean, the thing is, is your worst date might end up being your husband and that will preach. Am Um, I right? Your worst date might be your husband. (laughs) There it is. I pulled out a sound effect right there. We just discovered the sound effects on the board. So enjoy. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Worst date, Shara, you've ever been on. Okay. So I would just, to all of our listeners, graphic content ahead, Um, just because I had some crazy dates and like both of my most crazy dates, both involved guys on drugs. Like so, but I didn't know at the time. Hold on, go go for it. We want to hear more. (laughs) Tell us about the date. (laughs) So I was getting ready. (laughs) No, okay, so this one guy I went on a date with, he like worked in a hospital. Like he was, I don't think he was a doctor, but like a nurse or something like that. Someone, um, someone paired us up. And the person, if I were to say it, you'd be like, you should have known. <laughs> that That's neither here nor oh, there. No, Anyways, dying. the date was like, we sat down at this really nice Italian restaurant in North Park in San Diego. And conversation, like already, he just seemed a little off. Handsome guy. Seemed cool at first. But we're sitting down and he starts talking. And somehow, the conversation took a turn to where he was very passionate and was very serious about how robot dogs are going to rule the world. I'm sorry, what? That's our broken cricket, by the way. <laughs> I think you have to press it again. Oh, it just keeps going. Um, and was like giving me the, all the facts on it, the documentary to watch. I don't remember what the documentary was, but ultimately, because the dogs, dogs are the most unassuming. Like you'd never think your dog is against you. This isn't real. No, a thousand percent. But then here's where it comes like it all. Later on, we went to watch this live band. And we're dancing and blah, blah. And he leans into my ear and he's like, can I tell you a secret? And I was like, oh, God, oh, no. mom, come pick me up. I'm uncomfy. Um, he's like, I dropped acid right before we <gasps> went on the date. And I was like, well, that makes sense. Also, Yikes. check, please. And I was like, check, I literally got please. in the car and was laughing hysterically. I called mom immediately. And I was like, you'll never guess what just happened. This is real life. It oh, was so my bad. gosh. And you've, you mean, you've dated way higher scale men than I've dated. I, I'm more bottom of the barrel until Mario, Mario came along. But what's so funny about that is that if you knew like the guy, you'd be like, really? That they much? just had, they just were, they're idiots, but oh, they had a lot of money. You dated, <laughs> you've dated people with a lot of money. Like one guy was going to rent out Disneyland for you until I promptly found out that he got arrested in like Baghdad for drug smuggling right. opium via Wikipedia. I, I mean, <laughs> That's how you got that. He had that drug money. Yeah. And I was like, I mean, if you want to rent it out, like, let me tell <laughs> We're you. I'm not opposed to it. So, okay. So worst dates we've ever been on, worst advice we'd ever get on, given. Uh, like, I just, okay. So this was a cute one. I thought this was a good one. Uh, favorite memory of being sisters, of us being sisters. A lot of people had a lot of questions about us being sisters and about our family dynamics. And there was a lot of questions about blended families. We'll probably just do like a whole podcast series on yeah. that. But I thought this was a cute one just for questions. Favorite memory of being sister. Okay, you go first. So <laughs> this is going to be funny because Carrie's like, this is always a conversation where she's like, that's not how that went down. Oh, here we go. But so Carrie, for my 21st birthday, I had come into a lump sum of money. It's a very small amount, but for me at the time was like very large and we decided to go on a trip to Europe. Yes. So we went like 10 places. We went four different countries, right? Yeah. Like Paris, we had the, the best Netherlands, yeah. like Rome, all these different places. Mm-hmm. And I just, I felt like I had a blast. <laughs> like I, it's like one of my best memories. I look back with like such good feelings about that and always want to go back. Like 
I will go back to Paris one day and because it was just the most amazing experience. I was like, I'm moving here one day. We period. had the best time. Yeah, we had the best. Did we? Because <laughs> that's how I remember it. But apparently my yeah, anxiety, I was had... passing out and having panic attacks every other day. <laughs> this is where we found out that Shara might need to do a little work. This literally is what the yeah. catalyst for me going to therapy. Yes. So your greatest memory of us traveling around Europe, which actually really was a great, very bonding time for us, was also at the same point where you thought that revolutionists were dropping oil underneath our elevator and our elevator was going to blow up and then you blacked out. So if, if you can't tell, I catastrophize. Someone was watering their plants downstairs, but because there was a protest going on outside, I was like, Miles of course people away. are coming and throwing gasoline at the bottom of this hotel and Naturally. we're going to burn up and I passed out. Everyone does that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Everyone thinks like that. So that's when I had to go in the bathroom and go, okay, I am dealing with it. I mean, moments before that I got mad at you at the Vatican because you were freaking out because we had to wait. Somebody had gotten hurt and we had to wait in the Vatican and we were all backed up and you were basically couldn't breathe. And then we had an argument, which we don't really argue. You guys need yeah. to know, like we just talk it out like normal people, mm -hmm. but we got in an argument in front of the Vatican where the Pope mm -hmm. lives about, do you not want to be here? I planned this. No, it didn't it start with, because I didn't want to take a picture. Yeah. Which if you know, my sister wants to always take a picture. Yeah, I was kind of a selfie queen for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. and so I was like, what's going on with you? Anyway, that was a but good I, memory, But it though. was such a good memory for me because it was like 10 days and it was, I'm a seven on the Enneagram, so like adventure is my thing. Totally. I think it probably ignited me in me within that time period. Yeah, it was fun. But it was so, it was so much fun. We had so much fun, so many laughs and like so many deep conversations, but then also just so much fun. Yes. I would do it again in a heartbeat. Yeah. And also I would love to do it again with you because you're a lot healthier now. So we're going to be starting a GoFundMe. <laughs> um, okay. I would say my favorite memory. I have so many favorite memories. Shara is the one that I have, we have lived a lot of life together, but I would say, and this might, this is like a sentimental one, but it is a really good memory out of all the things that we've done. So Shara had just gone through a breakup and I was, I can't remember if I was leaving or what was happening, but I wanted to take you to some different spots on how to engage with Jesus just privately. And I took you to like, remember I, I drove you to like that mountain area and it was all dark and we listened to worship in the car mm -hmm. and just like prayed. And then we went up to Torrey Pines and we spent some time solitude mm -hmm. and like wrote. That's crazy. And I forgot about that. Yeah. And then we like had all those times away. And then we went down to the beach and I had written you that long letter mm -hmm. as if God was writing it to you. And that, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. That was, I look back and I'm like, gosh, I, in that moment, like as being your sister and being a little older, there's moments where you've taught me so much and I've taught you so much and we've come together as equals. But I just felt like that time I was able to pour in to such a tender heart mm -hmm. and teach you and be able to be there for you. And it was, yeah, it's so, I'm such a crybaby lately. It's so insane, but it. it's so crazy to think about because before like even my trip to Europe, this is going a little bit deeper, mm -hmm. but so much of what Carrie's taught me is pretty much like the fundamentals I live my life and my passions are built off of now, mm. which is counseling therapy, people's stories, right. Jesus, like even those fundamental beliefs that I didn't really grasp when I was younger, mm -hmm. you were there with me, teaching me, guiding me along the way. It's so cool. It's mm. so crazy to think about. That's a, such and a, such a favorite memory. I mean, we have many you yeah. living with me on and off for years. Yeah. I mean, you were helping raise my kids. Like there's a, but there was something about that moment of being able to like, almost like teach you. Cause I knew, I think I was moving or something, but teach you 
how to embrace and be and allow God to like be invited into your pain mm-hmm. um, and walk you through. And then like different ways that you could find God was mm-hmm. just like, so I remember taking you all around to like, it was like a 24 hour thing, mm-hmm. like all around, all the way into the mountains, all the way to the beach, all the way, mm-hmm. you know, so that was a really cool, that's a really cool memory for me. It was really cool. Um, um, well, okay. So wait, what's one question, of your questions? Then. Yeah, I got questions. Um, okay. So what are some, uh, what are some affirmations to combat an inferiority complex? Sorry, I said that question. Already. That's a big one. Okay. What are some affirmations? affirmations to, well, here's what I want to say about affirmations towards an inferior complex, inferiority complex, which is really like saying what, what this question is, is how do I begin to speak life into myself so that I don't feel like I'm constantly comparing myself to others Yeah, is basically what the question is asking. And here's what I want to say is like to, to bypass and just put like I'm a child of God. I'm good. Like God loves me. Those are all really good things. But until we really begin to name harm, we can't really engage gratitude in the depths of how we need to engage it. It just becomes a bandaid over um, what is hard. So I would say that to really move into that place where I feel inferior, I feel small, um, is to engage parts of your story. I know we always go back to this, but is to be honest about where the harm has happened, where the hurt is happening, what's the root of why that inferiority is there? What is that stemming from? Because you were told something very early on, whether it was be quiet or you're too much or just get out of here or abandoned, orphaned emotionally, um, you know, you felt like a stranger everywhere you go, you know, those places rooted somewhere are going to create either a sense of, I'm not enough or I'm too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, we all have that. We yeah. all have I'm too much and I'm not enough mm-hmm. all at the same time. So instead of really looking to the affirmations of, I, you know, I am a child of God, I would couple that with real honesty about what am I actually feeling? Mm-hmm. What am I actually thinking about? And where does this come from? Try to trace it back, story map it, if you will, trace it back to some of the roots of, okay, where did I first hear this? Mm. Where did I first hear I wasn't good enough? Where did that come from? And begin to allow your heart to grieve, but to have empathy towards the little one that was just trying so hard to either fit in or be invisible mm-hmm. to avoid harm. Um, I think tracing it to that point allows us to grieve and then allows gratitude and goodness to grow from that place mm-hmm. to be able to step into more like, no, I'm really proud of who I'm coming, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Like I can name these things that are difficult and hard and I don't have to name them with shame. I can name them with kindness and goodness towards my heart and what God has for me and begin to step in and be really proud of how courageous I have been all of these years to still be standing. Mm -hmm. So that's what I would offer in my humble opinion. That's a great answer. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, well, good. Thank you, Sean. Yeah, you're all right, all right. Next one. All right, Carrie, um, you talk a lot about your hell no, not on my watch. It seems to be rising up in you really well. Shara, I'm curious, do you have a hell no, not on my watch? Mm, I sure do. I think, first of all, that whole term, like, hell no, not on my watch, was new to me. Mm-hmm. So, but... Maybe still figuring it out. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. but... I do one thing that I find myself passionately aligning with is 
people feeling heard. And I know that sounds really broad. Like, oh, I just want people to feel heard. Like, no, I viscerally feel it within mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. If I feel if someone is struggling or is going through something or even just seems fine. Mm-hmm. Like I want, no matter who I'm with, whoever it is to know we can take all the time in the world. I will sit here and I will listen to you mm-hmm. with whatever it is you want to say for as long as you want to talk. Yes. Um, and you won't feel judged. That's right. my, the judge part is like, I'm really passionate about that because mm-hmm. no matter where you are, whether you're in the middle of it, you're like something big's coming up or you're on the other side of it. Like my heart for you is going to be the same. Mm-hmm. It's just, I feel very strongly about that because I feel in those safety, I just want people to feel seen. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's something very um almost speaks to someone's worthiness to say i'll sit across from you for as long as it takes Mm -hmm. for you because your story matters yes and what you feel matters and uh that's kind of like people not feeling heard or hiding in the shadows is like my hell no Mm -hmm. like i was and that rose because oh because i always wanted that for myself yes it came out of my own pain my own story Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. never feeling heard never feeling like anyone cared and Mm -hmm. suffering Deep suffering and mm-hmm. silence. Yes, yes. And not feeling safe to yeah. even oh, speak. for sure. You know? Which I think, I hope that you all hear that, what she just said was, it is out of the depths of your pain, but that pain being tended to mm-hmm. by the Holy Spirit, by God, by friendships, being tended to has allowed a hell no, not on my watch to rise up. And you guys need to know, like, Shar is not a fighter. Like, that's not, mm-hmm. Shar doesn't like confrontation. She's not going to fight. We have not gotten in a lot of fights, but we did get in an argument one time. It was so silly, but we were going on a bike ride with our sister-in-law and a couple of girlfriends. And this is so silly, but we were trying to figure out how to map out where to go. And my sister-in-law, Cassie, was like trying to say where we were going to go, but there was a lot of leaders in the group. So me being one of them and a lot of opinionated, right? And so we're like, we're trying to go this way, we're trying to go this way. Well, Cassie, I guess, was like speaking up and trying to say something like where she's going to go, but I guess we just didn't like hear her, listen to her, take the time, whatever. And later on that night, like it kind of came up again and you got riled up about it. You guys were like, you were like, Cassie was trying to talk and you guys didn't listen and you got really passionate about it. And I think Mm -hmm. some of the times that I've seen you get the most upset and like you'll really stand up to the parents or whatever is when one of us siblings or someone you know is not being heard. Yeah. And that's when I'm like, okay, and because you're so observant to that, I have learned to listen to that. Like, okay. Because in that moment when you were upset about Cassie, I was like, get over it. She should have spoke up. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. whatever. And I don't even remember it, but you were mm-hmm. pissed. And I was like, you know, I hadn't done a lot of work at that time. So I was just like, fought back. But now it would have been like, oh, because I know that, that number one, that's your hell no, but also that you're gifting, mm-hmm. like to listen to that more in you. Because I, I agree that that is such a hell no for you yeah um is being heard yeah yeah is letting other uh, other people be heard yeah like if that was the rest of my life was just sitting across from people as they shared no matter what it is it could be their stories or just where they're Mm -hmm. at oh my gosh Mm -hmm. like i'd be good yeah and i feel that when i'm with you like you're one of the very few people that i feel like if i sit down with you one you're going to ask me about my heart how's my heart and you're Mm -hmm. not going to skimp over big moments when you Mm -hmm. know i've had a big moment 
and I'm, you know, what's better when we're in presence together, yeah. <laughs> but when I'm in your presence, you're going to say, Hey, how was that? Mm-hmm. And I know that you're genuinely asking mm-hmm. to actually hear, mm-hmm. um, and hold that space for me. You, you do a really good job at that. Great. I love yeah. that for you. Yeah. Thank um, you. go, what's it's, your question? It's my turn. Yeah, that's right. That's um, right. oh, so this is a question that probably was directed at me, but I want to direct it to you because I'm curious as to what your take is on this. Okay. So this is not a spiritual question, so but it is about dating. So all okay. the single ladies in the house. Um, is it okay to pursue a guy or do I um, wait to be pursued? What are your thoughts on that? Because I think we might not think the same thing. Yeah, which is great. Yeah. Um, I come from the school. Okay, so I am very much about like, I'm a woman this is my body. Like, even if you're going to hold my hand, you need to ask to touch a body part. Like mm-hmm. I'm a big proponent. Like you don't just grab my hand in a movie theater and think you can hold my hand. Like you need to ask to hold my hand. Mm-hmm. I have never and would never chase any man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would never. T- is this mean it's wrong? Does this mean it's Bible? No, this is just my own. And I think it has a lot to do. This has to do with my story for sure. Mm-hmm. Like I'm on my own. I can handle things on my own. But I if I liked a guy, I would let him know I liked him mm-hmm. by flirting or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, this has been a long time. But I wouldn't I would never like DM, reach out, um, text first, ask for his number. Mm-hmm. Oh no, baby. Mm-hmm. You want this. Mm-hmm. You gotta ask me. for my number. Yeah. You gotta and you gotta have a be man enough mm-hmm. to step up to this. Cause first of all, like if you can't like if you can't if I'm too intimidating to even ask for a number, we ain't gonna work. Mm. Like I'm a big That's presence. a good point. Yeah, that's a good point with you. Yeah, yeah. I'm a big presence. I I need a man that can hold his own. Mm-hmm. Like so I mean, I have not struggled five mar- you know five engagements here we are i was like five marriages huh well it's growing <laughs> it's uh that's like actually not one. a good thing about me but i i so there is just a lot that i had in that and i don't know if that was confidence or insecurity i don't know mm-hmm. but i definitely know that i think one of the things that my dad really raised me was to have a lot of like you you deserve to be pursued mm-hmm. and if someone doesn't have enough enough, you would say other words, but guts Mm -hmm. to pursue you, then will he have enough guts to stand strong when it matters? Mm -hmm. And so for me, I know that sounds really like strong opinion and it is a strong opinion for me, but that's what I would say. That's how I would go. But how would you? Yeah. A little different for me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of known for if I want something, I'll go get it in that department, which Mm -hmm. I don't know where that came from. Like obviously the pursuing of love because dad was MIA, my mm-hmm. bio dad. Right. That makes a lot of sense to me, but I've always been that way. Even if they're not showing interest, I'll be like that one. I want it. Like, mm-hmm. and I'll go after it. Now has that like turned out great in the past? No, <laughs> but do I think it's wrong? No, I'm, I kind of feel like if I want something like you may not think that I want you and you may be doing your own thing, but I want to let you know that I'm very interested. Mm-hmm. Even the guy that I'm with now, like I laid down game for like a month and a half with his best friend before mm-hmm. he even heard about it. I was mm. like being like, hey, let him know, let him know, let him know, let him know. And find, finally he let him know. No. And then he pursued me. Yes. So then it was great. Right. But like I've never been a- afraid to be like, okay, well, that guy's cute. We get along really well. Let me go. Let now, me is go there pursue. a difference between like, I'm going to like your picture on Instagram or whatever. Like that's, that's like a cue, right? Or yeah. like you're going to snap him or whatever. Yeah. Like that's a little bit of like a, oh, hey. Yeah, for sure. 
but no but i'm pretty i'm pretty you're more oh yeah i was like yo tell your friend (laughs) that when he's ready to come find me because i because you know where i work (laughs) tell him to pull up like I was very forward. I was yeah. calling my boyfriend before he was. So my see, I don't know if if one is right or you know right over the other. I think for that question, I would say like wherever you feel like you're being true to you, yeah, then you have to sit in that. I mean, will I teach Roma that a guy needs to pursue her and that mm-hmm. she a hundred percent? I also think it's important. Like, what story do you want for yourself? Like, mm-hmm. what in your heart is what you're wanting from a man? Mm-hmm. Kind of what you're saying, but does your story involve the involve a man coming after you and you feeling really pursued and adored and like really that mm-hmm. is that what you want then go that way but if you're like no i want it to be a situation where if i see someone and there's just an immediate connection like it doesn't matter what it is i'm going after it mm-hmm. then do that right you know? i think right. it just depends on so you can you see want. we don't have an answer to this <laughs> yeah we got opinions we got opinions but we don't i don't know i i think it's such a to me it's not there's no value like a, a moral yeah. value behind that. I do I do think that women, I see younger girls with my sons be very forward and they're mm-hmm. very young and and I'm like it's not cute, sis. Mm-hmm. Like let my let my son come after you. He will. He will. Like he mm-hmm. will if he's interested, he will. And so I think as a mom, I'm kind of like mm, red flag when I mm-hmm. see that. I think it is a little different as you get older. You're yeah. 28 years old. You saw that he was good looking. Hey, put a good word in for me. But it wasn't like you were stalking him, you no. know. So I, I, you know, I think it's just you know, you, you like chill. Don't be crazy. Yeah, don't, don't be, be like don't be like finding out his address and like showing up with flowers. <laughs> Maybe that's a bit much. You that's know what a I mean? bit much. So okay, so this transitions into another question that was directed to you. How do you handle? Which I totally can't speak to, but I ha- can speak to what I've seen it do, the damage it's done. But how do you handle being single um, as a Christian woman, mm-hmm. like in the church? And I think just being a Christian woman, how do you, how do you handle being single? How has that been for you? Yeah. I think is more of like, obviously, it's probably coming from someone single. Yeah. And it's been challenging, mm-hmm. I'm sure. That's why she's asking. It's so, it's such a weird thing. It's like its own little like subculture within the church. I'm going to speak to this within mm-hmm. the church. Because yeah. it's so, it, I think we're getting better about it. I wrote a post about this on Freedom Movement like a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, just how if you are a single woman within the church, and it has been this way, and if you've been raised in the church, it's something I've experienced for sure, is you are groomed for your husband right. and his ministry, and you are meant to be a support. And if you don't have that, it's like something's wrong with you. Mm-hmm. So you're in the church, and let's say I'm 28, and I've been single for the last couple of years, and it's like at that point you should have had you've been married for five years a gaggle of babies yeah like two kids at this point Mm -hmm. like you're supposed to get married like 22 23 Mm. it's someone you meet in the church he's supposed to start his own ministry you're supposed to support that and maybe be some sort of women's ministry or like pastor's wife start having kids immediately and if you don't have that it's like well there's something obviously wrong with you you're not wanted like Mm. you know yeah and it's been so interesting like for the last two years I was single kind of taking a step back intentionally being like, okay, what is all this? Who am I without having to ident or attach myself to a man's identity within the church? What does ministry look like without having a man as the leader of that ministry? Mm -hmm. What does my ministry look like? You know? Mm -hmm. And, um, so I think it's, I think we're doing better about it, but I still feel like there is that 
weird subculture, especially being a little bit older. I think mm-hmm. when you're younger, it's kind of exciting. Like, oh, I'm younger. I'm like in my early 20s and I could find my husband here at this church. Like every young adult, like, is he here? But there's something about like being like 28 to almost 30 where it's like, oh, you had your chance, but it's not there anymore because mm-hmm. now they're looking for someone younger to start this life. It's mm-hmm. just weird. So it's- what would you say you've got a 28-year-old listening to this podcast or maybe you have a mom who has a 28-year-old who's not married mm-hmm. and they're kind of like, man, am I used goods mm-hmm. or what's, yeah. ha- what's wrong with me? What would you say to them? So earlier I would have been like, yeah, I don't really know what to tell you. But in the last few years, I really got intentional about realizing that time is on my side Mm. and I've had the gift of living with a lot of married couples and seen a lot of relationships pretty up close Mm -hmm. and realizing that time is on my side when it comes to this is the time I get to use to work out the kinks that I have Mm -hmm. not necessarily even for my marriage down the road but for me Mm -hmm. now when you're married young Sometimes it works out really well, but sometimes you realize that your trauma and their trauma doesn't match up right. And Mm -hmm. that can be really devastating for a marriage. Mm -hmm. For me, I'm like, well, I got all this free time. Why not invest in me and my relationship with God? Mm -hmm. And like, that's really kind of what I took the last couple of years to do is be like, okay, not for anybody, not for my future husband and my kids. Ultimately, yes, do I want that? And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Right. take this time to really focus on you, like Mm -hmm. work out what, what are your struggles? What are some narratives you've told yourself all your life? What are some traumas that you've been wanting to work through? And you know that you have this pattern that just continues to happen. Like let's address it. We got nothing but time. We have no Mm -hmm. one looking to us to lead them or to carry along someone in our baggage yet. We Mm -hmm. all have baggage. There's no, no shame in that. Right. Um, but you have just you right now. Right. So, what a gift, mm-hmm. you know, some people have to start working through that stuff and they have little ones looking at them mm-hmm. and a husband that is relying on them to whatever it is their role is in the house, whether that's maintain the house or go to work every day and come mm-hmm. home and feed babies. Like you have just you right now. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my gosh. So what, what I gift. hear you saying is what are you going to do with the time that you've been yeah. given that if you spend all of this time focusing, and I'm not saying that you can't name those longing and and those desires. If those have been placed to you by God, okay, we'll name that, talk about, talk about that with the Lord, but to allow yourself this time to really go, okay, I need to go inward a little bit instead of spending all my energy on finding the right guy, having a family Mm -hmm. and all of that, that really this is an opportunity or a gift, like you said, Mm -hmm. that has been given to me to really mature, grow, um, heal mm-hmm. uh, my own life, my own body, uh, get to know my Jesus, how that works with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and if the Lord brings someone, I, I just, I think hearing that I'm like, man, I guess my heart is just aching. And I've always been like this with you. Like you are not the total sum of that ring of your fi- on your finger. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's just, it's not what makes you. And mm-hmm. I think we have done a poor job in the church of setting women up for that being their ultimate achievement. Oh, 1000%. And that is, that is disheartening mm-hmm. to me because yeah. I think, I think a woman who allows herself to be loved and used by God in the way of like caring and tending to the world in the ways that they've been offered and what God wants to do in and through their lives, regardless of the man, 
that's in their lives. I think there's such a grounding and such a, uh, just such an, uh, a care that comes mm. in, you know, to mm-hmm. be able to experience that. And, you know, just to know that like a man enhances your life. Sure. Friendships enhance your life. Women enhance your life, but they don't make who you are. No. Mm-hmm. And, and if you go in with that mindset or you're believing the lies that you are being told that somehow something is wrong with you, if you don't get a man, you're going to get that man and you're going to probably settle for someone because you just need to fill the quota in your life or you need to fulfill your, per, you know, what the world is telling you or the church really is telling you that is your total sum of, total sum of your worth. Mm-hmm. So you're going to pick the wrong one yeah. because you're going to be like, okay, I just, I just need to get married. A- and, and maybe you end up picking the right one, but you didn't take what Shara said is the time mm-hmm. that God has given you. If God wants you married at 22, you'll know. Mm-hmm. If God doesn't want you married at 22, you'll know. Yeah. And so it, there is a sense of surrender. There also is a sense of naming longing and desire because for most of us, there is a longing and desire to be married. Mm-hmm. That is just a natural, normal tendency. Mm-hmm. It's how God made it it's to be together. Um, but we have to begin to really hold that in honesty and truth and not bypass it and just marry because we can't or say, oh, I'm never getting married because I don't need a man or yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. But to really acknowledge in honesty, and that's why we call us the honest path, the honest pod is to acknowledge where you're coming, um, where you're at yeah. and, and to be present in where you're at, even if it's hard, if it's good, but don't bypass time. Don't buy time to get to, yeah. you know, like this is the dress rehearsal and yeah. I'm just waiting for the play to start. Because you'll find that expectation if it, if it doesn't happen the way you want, you'll be left with like totally disoriented, which yeah. is what I was right at age, like 24, 25. I was like, and I definitely think we want to do like a whole month. Po- there's a gr- there's the heart of dating out there. There's a lot of great, really great people out there. So I'd love to be able to do that um, yeah. for a month. Okay. Well, we'll save that one. Cause that yep. can be a rabbit trail. Totally. All right. Next question. What is the difference between codependency versus empathy? Boundaries. <laughs> Boundaries. <laughs> um, codependency is really your empathetic heart in the hands of the enemy, in the hands of your trauma. Um, Codependency is actually from, you know, a place of rescue. Codependency says, not only do I see your problems, but it is my responsibility to fix your problems. Mm. Empathy says, I see your problems. I can hold these problems with you, but they're not mine to fix. Mm -hmm. So empathy draws connection. Um, It draws us closer. It draws us being able to hold that space for them. Codependency is saying, it is my responsibility to fix you. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we're going to look out, we're going to look for people um, that we can fix Mm -hmm. um, to make us feel a sense of worth, Mm -hmm. a sense of love. Um, but empathy says, I know myself completely, you know, as well as we can. I'm confident in who I am. I know that it's the Holy Spirit that does the fixing. And so in my strength, I can actually hold this pain with you and I don't have to take it. Mm-hmm. I can actually walk away from this conversation knowing that you're in good hands with the Lord mm-hmm. um, and that it's not my responsibility to walk away and carry it. So to break that down a little bit further though, because... I feel a little bit like, okay, so empathy for me, I think a lot of people will see that whether that's in the church or outside of the church is like reading emotions. Like I can pick up on like, oh, this atmosphere feels heavy or this atmosphere feels tense or whatever it Mm -hmm. is. And you can tend to carry that with you and you don't mean to carry it. 
mm-hmm. but you do, even though you're not necessarily trying to fix, but like the empathy, that's where I've always struggled is where the empathy and the codependency is like, I don't feel like I'm being codependent, but I will say when I leave this room, I carry what just happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the reality is, is that whenever you take on someone's story, their pain, their moment, whatever, mm-hmm. and you're taking that around with you, you are actually not trusting. This is a trust and faith issue. You are not trusting God to be able to tend and care. So there's times in my coaching calls or my counseling that I've done where I actually have to, when the client leaves, when I close the door, I actually have to pray and end that moment. Mm. Say, okay, Lord, they are now in your hands. I commit them to, they just had this happen last week. It was a very intense counseling session with someone and I was worried for them. Now, have I checked in twice? Yes. Am I carrying the weight of what they're doing? No. Am I trusting that the Lord's going to tend in the in-between? I'm not the savior. Mm -hmm. I'm not the rescuer. Now, when I say that you have to trust God with it, often that is hard because faith and trust are linked together. And if you have a story of trauma where trust has been shattered, then it's going to be harder for you to trust that they could be in the Lord's hands and you're going to want to fix. You're going to want to carry their weight. It is on me to fix it because the world is falling apart. It is on me to fix it. That is learned from the places of your story. And so it's hard, you know, you'll think codependency just looks like empathy, but if you're taking on someone's pain, empathy really does say, I hear what you're saying. I'm going to find a place in my own story to relate to that kind of pain that mm-hmm. you're experiencing, whether it's, it doesn't have to necessarily be the same, but pain is pain, just comes in different packages. I'm going to sit with you in this place, but I'm going to have the ability to be able to say, I'm so glad you shared this with me and then entrust them, whether verbally or non-verbally to the Lord. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's not my responsibility yeah. to fix you. I don't have to light myself on fire to keep you warm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. yeah. So very storied. Yeah, very, very for sure. storied for, yeah. for people who are codependent. It's a very, very learned, very early on. Christians are, and it's a blanket statement, it's my opinion and what I've seen, Christians are very, are modeled codependency. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I don't think that Jesus was, I mean, if he's codependent, he's codependent on God, mm-hmm. um, which great. Great. Great go codependency. Great That's healthy go codependency. Ahead. That's right. Um, very empathetic father. Um, very reliant upon God, but not reliant upon what man wants him to do. Yeah, um, I come here to do the will of my father. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think as a church, we have taught like sacrifice yourself, do everything for everybody else. I think there's a sense in that, but we're not sacrificing by betraying our own bodies, mm-hmm. our own boundaries, that Jesus never did that. Mm-hmm. There was always a boundary. He'd be He'd be ministering and be like, I'm and out. we're done. Yeah. I'm going out three hours. I got to go pray. See yep. you guys later. Yeah. Wait, we've got all these people. We see that in the pool of Bethesda. Mm-hmm. He heals one. There's all these broken people there needing help, needing care. God says, I've come to, Jesus says, I've come to do the will of my father. And it was heal one. Strong boundary. You know, if yeah. codependency was at play, he'd be healing everybody. Yeah. It's not how it works. Yeah. It is not for him to heal. It is for God to dictate and to tend and mend so does that help oh for sure help yeah all right Um, do we have any more questions we do we have one last one we're gonna cap it and this is a question for me because i'm very curious okay if that's all right um is what is the most revolutionary hold on (laughs) for those sound effects what's the most revolutionary thing you've learned in the last five years 
Five years? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I wanted to give it a good amount of time because we've both done like a good amount of we've work. We've done a good amount of work. In the, last the most. Five years. So the most revolutionary, like revealing, like thing. Yeah, we're like aha moment. I guess would probably be like okay. Whoa, this changes everything. Okay, this sounds really trite, but it's got such roots to it um, that my story, my individual story, means everything. Mm. Like it has literally been so compartmentalized. My childhood, my adolescence, my previous marriage, my, you know, now my now, it's all of these compartments and the story has a theme and a thread. And I think the most revealing thing is realizing how threaded my story is, how storied my activity is in Mm. pain and then also in purpose Mm -hmm. and how by denying my story and the places of harm and not naming them, I was actually denying my very purpose of why I was put on this earth. Mm. And so it ha- that so biggest aha is going, man, my story does matter. But mm. man, that is so trite because I see that on everything. Your story matters. Like, no, having to name my story was the hardest thing I've ever done. Mm-hmm. And yet it has been the most freeing thing. And mm-hmm. my purpose, my hell no, has risen from those places. So that mm. would be mine. What about you? That's good. You know, I asked you that and I actually didn't think about what I was going to say because there's been a lot. I've learned a lot in the last three years specifically. And I think the things that kind of stick out to me most. And it doesn't have to be something that's finished all the way. Yeah. Is one thing that will always be a struggle, but these kind of go hand in hand. And this is going to sound a little bit depressing, but it it doesn't. I don't mean it that way, mm-hmm. is admitting defeat and asking for help. Oh, be stunning, not depressing. Yeah, I'm like, I know defeat can feel like, oh man, like you lost. Mm-hmm. No, but in admitting that defeat, I gained everything, everything mm-hmm. that I have now. Like my life has yes. completely changed in the last two years, starting with the moment I admitted defeat. Yes. And, and uh, can we use the word defeat and say the moment I said I need help? Yeah. Which really, the world would say, that's defeat. And God says, that is courage. Yeah. That mm-hmm. is courage. The enemy will tell you, don't you say that. You're going to look like a failure. You're going to look like you defeated. You need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Get it together. And God is saying, I will run to the prodigal when he walks up and says, I need you. Yeah. And, he, and he will, without judgment or shame, say, I have prepared a feast for you. Welcome home. Yeah. That is stunning yeah that's probably the biggest thing i've learned because i fought that for so many years Mm -hmm. like i got this don't let anyone in carry it yourself handle it and it got to the point where i was like i just can't i can't anymore Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that's probably the biggest thing i've learned because i'll carry with that carry that with me for forever Mm -hmm. is there was so much, even though it, in a moment it felt like weakness, like I did, this is where I'm at. Mm-hmm. The amount of good and strength and healing that has come out of that moment, I would do it again a million times. Yes. Ah, oh, Shara, I've been, ne- been nothing but proud of you. So proud. Well, we have more questions here, but we just don't have enough time. We'll have to do another question and answer again. We've got marriage questions here. We've got relational questions. We've got uh, blended family questions. So many of you, please keep sending in your questions. We would love to hear them. This is the end of 2020. Praise the Lord. Do we have like, this is the end of 2020. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) That's what this year has felt like a joke. That's right. (laughs) 
<laughs> so true. Friends, we cannot thank you enough for all of your support of this podcast. We want to keep this podcast going. We would love to keep it going, but we need to hear from you that you want this to keep going. So would you like, subscribe, review, please share on your social media platforms so that we know that this is landing on your heart. We want to keep doing it. We have a whole season um, coming up with all of topics that you guys actually wrote in um, and asked us to cover. We have, again, relational topics, so much cool stuff a lot of theology stuff, and a lot of mental health stuff. So we're excited about bringing that to you, but we we would love your support in, in continuing uh, making this podcast available to others. We just want to wish you a happy new year. Mm-hmm. We want to say thank you for supporting us. And just, I don't know, just know that you made it. You made it to the end, and that is something to be really proud of. God is pleased with you. He loves you. He goes before you, behind you, and beside you. And so I just hope that this year, as it ends, that you would know that you got two girls on the other side of this mic that just think that you're you're pretty awesome, and we're super glad you're part of our family. So mm-hmm. to all of our 11 listeners out there, we sure do love you. Happy New Year. are so thankful for the talented Tanya Godsey offering her amazing music with us. You can find Tanya on Spotify and other streaming platforms. And hey, we would love to answer any questions you may have for us right here on the show. So you can send us those questions to hello at thehonestpodcast.com. And as always, thank you for letting us share about the not so easy stories that make us and entering into the honesty and courage it takes to love who you were created to be. So until the next time, friends, may God's love and kindness be an offering to your heart, both now and always. (laughs) 